Welcome back, everybody, to the last thing we're doing, pros and cons-wise, for Riverdale the day before. I know. It's the end of an era, but it is scarcely the end of our horrifying nightmare journey through the Ostowverse, which we'll get into uh, at the end of what we're doing here today. But we've got part three, Evening. To contend with right now. Unfortunately, I am not alone in this horrible Herculean challenge. I am joined by Quinn. Hello, Quinn. Hey, Rob. I don't know. This section's pretty substantial in both page count and things that happen. Do you think we can handle it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I I think we might just be able to scrape this one out. Yeah, we've abandoned the format of two chapters per character. In favor of the svelte and efficient one chapter per character. <laughs> Between four and maybe 13 pages a person. Mm-hmm. We do have some interesting little, like, world document intercalary things and an epilogue. Important to say. <laughs> Just because she needed to get a little bit more page count out without needing to do any actual writing. So little actual writing. And it is, it's a, it adds, you know, three to the actual page count of the book, which is more than 1%. Yeah. More than 1% of this book is just the epilogue, because it's a very short book. <laughs> and I just, I was, I was appalled when I got to the epilogue. I'm not going to lie. Well, we'll get into it, uh, yeah. but we should, we should go in order. So we're starting out with the final Betty chapter of this book. <sighs> You know, sometimes when I'm reading a book, I wonder if it's going to end with a bang or with a whimper. And I hope secretly to myself, oh man, even a whimper is just too loud. It's too stressful. <laughs> I would like it to end just with a bleak silence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that that mystery that they've been building up. Yeah, the main thing kind of just doesn't really meaningfully get resolved. It, it's implied that it was Cleo, but worry you not, because Rad Brad is finally back from the first chapter. Woohoo! To engage with Betty as she realizes that her work had been deleted, that primer on Veronica Lodge that she had been slaving over had been deleted from her work account. Now, it's very important. I already talked about this before, but what the fuck computer system is this where someone else can get something that you submitted and delete it permanently with no record of having logged in or having been the user who deleted it and somehow you don't have another copy of it? I don't remember, yeah, was I, it mentioned in the book that, like, when she submits things, she just instantly deletes them from her computer like a big, big idiot? Basically, she's like, I must have been so excited. And it's like, so I've excited never been, that like, I deleted so excited my... that I deleted my draft. <laughs> yeah, but even if she had done this very stupid, very obviously unmotivated just plot convenience thing of deleting her copy from her computer, first off, this kind of thing can be restored. It's not like... Cleo went in and reformatted their work hard drive uh, or took a magnet to it or something. But right. also, again, like, how do they have it so that just 
anyone can just go in and fuck with the actual files that they're going to be publishing for their website just, I'm with sorry. no record. Obviously, I'd been so stupidly excited to file my first article, I tossed the original the second the file was saved. I'd never counted on my own freaking co-worker sabotaging me. This is a bad system. It's the horrible. moment someone decides that they're going to, like, give notice or quit, the site is destroyed. Mm-hmm. With no record of who it was. Right. And, like... Like, Hello Giggles is gonna be Hello Goatsy in a fucking hot minute when somebody decides that they don't want to work there anymore. Yeah, Standalone Complex was my favorite Goatsy. Mm, there you go. <laughs> um. <laughs> God damn it. I tried to no-sell that and it didn't work. Um, but... It seems like this this chapter mostly exists to, like, put the button on everything in terms of, you know, she's been, like, clenching her nails into her fist this entire time. And so you need to see her go full Dark Betty, which they seem to be trying desperately to contrast with, um, like, Rad Brad's bright side thing. Yeah. Yeah. She blows up at him comically, uh, does the fingernails thing throws her phone very important to note that this event that i guess she had been selected to be like tony morrison's assistant for for some event mm -hmm. this was the source of jealousy that motivated cleo to delete her article and screw her over but like this is an upcoming event yep and this is the day before jason blossom is murdered yep so how was betty gonna be there for this event was she just going to not go back to school? I don't know. Again, got to raise these questions. Yep. But yeah, so the, the file was deleted. And then to twist the knife, Rebecca says, we don't need you to rewrite your Veronica Lodge piece. We have something bigger. Oh, F no. Fuck off. Uh, and then that's, you know, that's when she gets real mad at Brad. Mad at Rad Brad. Yep. And uh, then she sort of resolutely insists on not answering a text message from Polly, probably because, again, we have to be careful with communication between characters in this book. Like, mm. we want to mostly keep it to characters who are original to the book and one character. We got to keep everything hermetically sealed so we don't accidentally... Because we've already made a lot of plot holes. Like, oh, every, yeah. every time we even accidentally interact with the main story, we create plot holes. Like... You know, Betty not being like, oh, Veronica, my life got ruined while I was trying to write an article about you <laughs> in the first episode. Right. So she doesn't answer the text message from Polly, I guess. That's such an underwhelming, like, that's not just the end of a chapter, it's the end of the story. And it's underwhelming just as a chapter end. Like, and whatever like it was, it could certainly keep another day. I'm not going to answer my sister's text message. That's the like end of the story. And that's... That's kind of how it is for everyone. Like, at least there's, like, a shakeup in the status quo for Jughead and Veronica. Mm-hmm. But, like, not that much. Not that much. Yep. So speaking of which... We get... We, Go ahead. we get the fun text message exchange between uh, Clifford Blossom and somebody, probably FP, who is <laughs> unknown ID text messages. Sure. And I love that like we have to show this text message exchange between unknown ID and Joaquin, except it says Joaquin bracket burner. So this motherfucker like 
completely obviates the use of a burner phone by getting rid of the anonymity by labeling the contact. Yeah, I know. FP Jones, get it together. It's like, this is a Gen X person who does not understand phones. Yeah. But, you know, I guess that's true to life. I, yeah. And, yeah, we get a little, like, dramatic irony. Things are going to go bad for Jason and Polly. And then it's Jughead time. Yeah, I mean, I read this yesterday. Does anything happen in this chapter that isn't Jughead deciding, I'm going to live here now. That's better than living in a trailer and an awkward phone call with JB. I mean, Cheryl shows up for like a cameo. Oh yeah, and Josie. We just we just have some characters show up and be... Yeah, Val's there too. They just kind of, yeah... Show up and are like, "Hey, remember us? We're about to be in a. Oh, we're about to be in a we're show. We're about to be in a show. Yeah. So that's... and people are mean to Jughead because he's weird. Yeah, he's a weirdo. Um... Uh. Yeah, but that that really is it. Some characters show up to have an inconsequential argument and be mean to Jughead when he semi gets involved, and then he calls his family in Toledo to not listen. Really, <clears throat> it like. He's talking to JB, and then, like, while JB is talking to him, he's deciding, I'm just going to move in here. And then JB says, are you listening, Juggy? And then he says, I am JB, I promised. Keep talking. Like, I sort of got that as, like, him trying to hold on to, like, one positive thing in the world, which is that his little sister is making new friends or having a decent time where she is now because like oh i'm trapped but she's not kind of a thing i mean yes um i think that is also true like i think that he's definitely staying on the line because it's providing something for him emotionally but i don't know that he's actually attending to what's happening certainly not paying close attention because he's he's still running his inner monologue while he's on the phone right uh but that's it he's like ah fuck it i guess i'm gonna live in the movie theater and that's the end of Jughead's story. He says, I'm sad. Oh, people are arguing. Hi, little sis. I live here now. That's the chapter. Yep. Done and dusted. That's Jughead's story. Boom. On to the next one. It is amazing how much the shit just, like, peters out at the end. Yep. Uh, Cliff Blossom and Hermione Lodge exchange some Barbie Patty emails. emails yeah. Some spinity emails with each other. Hermione Lodge books... The Pembroke to go live there. And then on to Veronica. Yay! Where, if it wasn't clear enough to you already, her portion in this book is the first two-thirds of the first episode of Arrested Development. <laughs> I mean, it sort of is. <laughs> Just, oh, yeah, no, your, your, your dad's in huge fucking trouble. Like, that's the story, really. Yeah. I mean, there's all those times that Hiram Lodge was calling um, Veronica Pardner. <laughs> Something about a prosthetic hand. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So she slips out of her trouble at Barney's. Underrated Weekend at Barney's spinoff, by the way. Yeah. Trouble at Barney's. Yeah. Then, like, she gets home and, like, everything's really weird and quiet. And then she finds out that her dad's going to prison. Yep. Alphabet soup of, uh, you know, different federal agencies or crime, whatever. Uh -huh. I almost said crime fighting industries. That's like there's superheroes there. No, no, no. Law yeah, enforcement. The CFI. That's, it's not really the same thing. But 
Yeah, her terrible friends show up and they're like, we just well, came here to watch you be sad. <laughs> Your tears are delicious. Right, but before that, um, I do want to give a quick shout out to Daddy's Chief Attorney, Roger Glassman. There you go. Like, what an attorney-ass, like, fictional attorney-ass name. Thanks. It's not a un-attorney name. You're right. <sighs> Another thing, I don't, I don't remember if I pointed this out previously, but, like... Nick just is a sadistic piece of shit here. Oh, yeah. And so, like, what the hell is it in the show where he shows up and she's like, Nick, oh, it's been so long. It's like, first off, it hasn't. It hasn't been that long. It hasn't been that long. last time you saw each other. The last thing that he did was betray her. Like, emotionally manipulate and betray her. So, actually, this is a huge fucking contradiction with the show. it's, It's bad. And this came out after. Season two? I think. Yeah, it came out in 2019. Jesus Christ. So, like, okay. yeah, they just, that they done fucked up there. Wait, they came out in 2019, so they've pumped four of these fuckers out in a year? Uh, uh, depending on the part of 2019 that the first one came out. Yeah. Damn. Because the fourth one's, like, about to come out, right? In, like, very early 2020. Uh-huh. And then uh. it ends, ends after Veronica's friends dunk on her. Yes. With her running over to Hermione being just like, oh no, whatever will I do? My life is ruined. And Hermione's like, it's okay. We can start over. We can go to my hometown. We can go to Riverdale. (laughs) Then we get Cleo's uh, Hello Giggles piece about like, ha ha, Veronica Lodge sucks now because her dad got arrested. Let's all be be mean to her. And that's what was uh, uh, Betty's uh, article got dropped in favor of and right and then they just the let the, they just let the receptionists write articles by the way right yeah no yeah. you know and delete other people's articles it's uh-huh. a it's a very interesting business strategy it's cutthroat is what it is yeah it's um, la it's very la yeah um i was gonna say like well but isn't like super inefficient and nothing ever gets gone never mind yeah yeah super that is LA. How la works you're right you can't even drive a goddamn car in that city <laughs> you know what i'm talking about you have to do it all day <laughs> uh. I, 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 I try to go three miles down the road in los angeles and it takes me what 90 minutes yep it, it's, uh, a, it, it's a hell it's, it's a, hell a it is a fucking hell hole <laughs> um <laughs> sorry john you know it's true i thought you were talking about uh, my friend John and I was like, "No, nah, John knows. No, John no, no. doesn't have a lot of stock in L.A., but John knows." Or- Orpheus John <laughs> has lived in yeah. L.A. for a long time. For a, for a long time, yeah. <laughs> I don't um, know how he does it. Who could say? But Archie's chapter <laughs> is funny because they're kind of just putting a coda on Betty's part at the start of the chapter, where Archie thinks that he sees Betty in her room and is like, "Wait, Betty can't be here." So then he like taps on the wig note. The Wigno. <laughs> the Wigno. To the Wigno to the wall. <laughs> um, so he taps on the window to get Polly's attention, it turns out. And then they just have this really brief conversation where they're like, hey, you talked to Betty recently? Nah. Shit, that sucks. I've been trying to reach her all day. But, I, but God knows I'm not going to tell you anything because plot. Right. And then Archie gets picked up by Geraldine. Um, sex crimes happen. Yep. And then there's a gunshot. Yep. Correct. Well, you're not quite right. Sex crimes happen. Then he sits there and, like, 
is guilty about various things like bulldog loyalty and what just happened and like Jughead being stood up just like he just didn't go do what he was going to do with Jughead. I'm an awful friend. I mean, yes, Archie, you are, but also y- your your girlfriend is uh is a sex monster. Uh, yep. And and you are being victimized. It's also funny because he calls the sound of a gunshot unmistakable and unignorable. It is pretty unignorable. But gunshots can be pretty mistakable. You ever heard a car backfire? Uh, <laughs> but I'm that's just it. Saying. Gunshot. That's it. That's book's over. Except book's it's over. not. Except there's an epilogue. We need three more pages, Quinn. Do you know what the epilogue is? I'm so excited. Tell me. The epilogue is just the opening monologue from the television show Riverdale, its first episode. They With just... some weird changes to make it both longer and worse. Ah. <laughs> <sighs> Come on. Wayward pinballs, Quinn. Wayward pinballs. Oh, God. Just this, like, for us, it felt like an end. An end. The real permanent end. And our endings led to a new story, a new beginning. Jesus Christ. It's so, like, this is the hackiest shit. Our story became circular. Our endings led to a new story, a new beginning. This story begins with what the Blossom Twins did on the 4th of July. You see, time is a flat circle. I could see Dilton Doily going all rust coal on him, on people <laughs> in a few years. It let time. it happen, please, let it happen. Uh, the Blossoms were like poison roses in the Garden of Riverdale, <laughs> and nobody wanted to get pricked by those venomous thorns. The 4th of July tragedy would soon become just another urban legend. A cautionary tale that we regurgitate endlessly. Until, or unless, some new revealing detail came to light. It's just... Yeah, it's amazing. Like, it's very just cribbed from the opening monologue of the first episode. But it's also much longer and much more generic. (laughs) And that's... So... That's what we... End the fucking book with. A notion that it exists unchanged and unchanging, as if frozen in a time capsule. Oh, like this book? Just like this book. This book very much has this sense of, like, utter mute inertia. Like, it can't move. It must sit unchanged. It cannot hold weight. Well, it's like the worst kind of storytelling you find in like the big DC and Marvel comic books, right? Where like you have your character, you're not allowed to change them, and you don't want to deal with the plot implications of like doing anything with the established stuff. So each writer makes up a bunch of bullshit supporting characters that only they care about and only show up when they are writing it. Well, and like the thing that sucks about this is like episodic storytelling tends to do this thing where, you know, everything always comes back to the status quo. But characters are usually allowed to have these small arcs within that. And the story or the setting, too. Like, if you look at good Star Trek, for example. Right. World is the wrong term, but they're effectively world events that actually happen and impact everyone. Right, but not not here. Like, there's a couple of events that are built to, but there's no sense of, like, character. It's like, we need to move the pieces. So I just find it very funny that that time capsule line is there when it feels very indicative of the overall ethos of what this book is. Also, you have this requirement, right, that this book ends where the show begins. But you know what wasn't required? 
was having every character in the book be exactly who they are at the very beginning of the first episode from the first page of this book. You yeah. could have built character development toward where they end up, which maybe you could argue maybe a little bit you did with Veronica because she was pretty horrible <laughs> in this book at the beginning. And like then she got brought low and like that may be the kickstart for like what she's like in the show. But the other three are just already who they are in the show. You know well, what I right. mean? And the thing is, if you look at like the text, what happens to Veronica is she still has to deal with like learning to be, like, more humble or whatever. But she goes from this, like, incredible place of, like, vitriolic and, like, toxic entitlement to Sorkin Pool. The thing it's that so broke fast. inside her leads her to that. It's weird. Yeah, it's 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 a lot to... <sighs> well, okay. That's, That's it the book. for the book. Um, Quinn, how's it been for you? Are we still friends? <laughs> oh, yeah. The thing is... <laughs> Um, like I said during the last episode, because of the density, or the lack thereof of this book, because it's so, <laughs> like, the text is so big, the book size itself is relatively small. Like, it, it reads easier than it has any right to. So, it doesn't actually hurt to, like, feel the words tumble over me. It is kind of a shame that this is the first book that's not, like, a role-playing game text, or a text required for, you know, my learning that I've read in several years. Yeah, that's that's kind of like a that's a scary uh bleak thing, I guess, in a way. But if I could do this, think about what else I could do. The answer is read more. Yeah. of these books. So, did we want to finish um, off by like doing an previewing? Intro? Yeah, the next <laughs> the book horror I've got it over that comes here. Next. I can go grab it real quick and we can Yeah, let's let's break this down. Okay. <laughs> because as we've previously alluded, there are more of these. There are two more of these, and there are soon to be three more of these, because oh, yeah. Mikol Ostow is an unholy machine that cannot be stopped by God nor man. Mm -hmm. The next book in her seminal <laughs> Riverdale series is entitled Riverdale. Get out of town! Yeah, get out of town! So do you want me to read... Uh, okay. I would love for you to do a nice reading of the uh, back cover, uh, right. like ad copy or whatever you want to call it, uh, the jacket blurb. Do you want me to do that before or after I read the about the author section? <laughs> Surprise me. All right. You know what? We've spent a lot of time projecting onto Nicole Ostow. So I mean, just... I just called her an unholy machine that neither God nor man can stop. So I think you've, you've got me there. So, you know, let's get to know Nicole a little bit and then we'll read the back of the book. Nicole Ostow has written over 50 works for readers Whoa. of all ages, including projects based on properties like Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Charmed, and most recently, Mean Girls, a novel. I'm never going to escape. As a child, she drew her own Archie Comics panels. And in her former life as an editor, she published Betty and Veronica, Mad Libs Game. She lives in Brooklyn with her husband and two daughters, who are also way too pop culture obsessed. Visit her online at MicoleOstow.com. Do you know how hard it's going to be for me to not continue pros and cons into the fucking Buffy the Vampire Slayer books? Dig your own grave. <laughs> I don't have the background with Buffy. No, I, I would want to make John do it, but, like, John can't read. So, uh, I don't know, though. That's a story I actually know about. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
And you could do such more serious violence to that because there's actually literary merit. <laughs> it, All right. Oh, yeah. God. That's exciting. Okay. Also, important to note, there's an about the author picture, at least in the um, get out of town. The get out oh, yeah. of town one. And you you know what? She's written over 50 books. You know what she doesn't look like? A Someone person who is exceptionally 50? old. Yeah. <laughs> so... The, yeah. like, insane demoniacal writing speed is definitely, like, a real thing. Yeah, she's a workhorse. Um, she's a work nightmare. Hey, all listeners, I want you to know that this is what's going to be lurking around the corners of my mind as I set out to cast a vote for Senator Bernard Sanders uh, in the Democratic primary here in California. Good choice. Archie is on trial for murder. Betty, Veronica, and Jughead all know that Archie is being framed by Hiram Lodge. But the evidence is stacked against him. So the gang comes up with a last-ditch plan to prove Archie's innocence. They have to go back to the scene of the crime. They have to go back to Shadow Lake. Threats are around every corner deep in the woods at the Lodge family cabin. Will the kids find the evidence they need to clear Archie's name? And more importantly, will they make it back to Riverdale alive? That's a bold, all caps, very and bold, all caps, in red. red. Yeah, and I think this that is, is how be, you're supposed to read it. Yes, this here it transitions into something that I think indicates to us that this book is going to be another absolute treat. <laughs> <laughs> Told from alternating points of view, this novel set in the Riverdale universe is an original story not seen on the show. That's right, kids. The alternating viewpoints are coming back. Aw, yeah. And As oh my is God. the very widely spaced lines. Holy shit, though. Holy shit. Holy shit. Hmm. So this this book here is um with epilogue uh, 283 pages long. Uh-huh. Do you know how many chapters I'm seeing there are here in this book? How many? It's 31 chapters. Wow. 31 chapters in an epilogue. Wow. This stuff is going to go down so fast. Yeah. So we've got a relatively short book. We've got widely spaced lines. We've got alternating points of view. We've got... Oh, there's text messages. Text messages will be making a return. Oh, excellent. As apparently our diary entries or something, just from a quick flip through. And it is important to note also... That the story conceit of this makes it nicely bodily and hermetically sealed in a similar way. Maybe it's not quite as astonishing as this first one, but the kids are going on a quest that they can't succeed at because yeah. that's not how the show goes. <laughs> so again, right. we're just sticking something in the middle of this narrative that like doesn't have any actual lasting effect and they will not talk about in the show. <laughs> right. So like the chance of this being something that's like actually an interesting meditation on anything is like super slim. But we gotta hold out hope, right? I got high, high hopes for a minute. Rest in peace, Mayor Pete. High, 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 high hopes. <sighs> Look uh, for that sometime soon. It's gonna be, it's gonna be pretty wild. Uh huh. Coming soon. Again, the book is Riverdale. Get out of town. Which is never gonna get old. <laughs> oh no, not for thirty-one chapters. It's not. <laughs> uh... I told you I would drag you to hell, and I have. Just like in the movie Drag Me to Hell, 
where that old lady forces everyone to read Riverdale tie-in novels. Yeah, that was what was happening at the end. It was really horrifying. Yep. Thank you so much for joining me on this weird, bad journey. <sighs> that, you know, like I said, you got me to read a book. So There you go. Uh, I salute it's you al- for it's that. It's almost like literacy and, and improving literacy is good, even if other things around it are problematic, and it's okay to say that it's good that people read. Mm-hmm. So are you comparing yourself to Fidel Castro then, Rob? Uh, is that what you're saying? Uh... <laughs> 